everyone, and welcome to the 39th episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is one of your hosts, Platinum 3 And this is Yangus, the legendary bandit. Woohoo, Yangus, it's finally happening. We did something really nice for you. You are getting your follow-up 16-bit games episode. Hooray. Oh, man, it seems like it's been ages since we first uh, started trying to plan this episode, but here we are at last. Yeah, I mean, uh, I might have been on the road still in June of that time, but, you know, to have been fair it's been like a like hectic few weeks few months for a lot of people you got state fairs going on people are out there starring in the nightly news broadcasts schools have started up again people are going on vacation before the fall and the winter seasons kick in and you know the incel lifestyle's crept in good point you know summer is wrapping up and wait what was that last point you said the fall season you know I, I think you're watching like iowa iowa state right now and in a few more weeks We'll be right in the middle of the college football season. Halloween will be going on. Thanksgiving will be here soon enough, too. I, I mean, you're not wrong, but I could have sworn you said something after the fall and winter bit. Eh, probably. Oh, well. I don't remember what I talk about. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. maybe I'm just hearing things then. I don't know. Probably. I mean, although there's probably something you're never going to hear me say. And we know what it is. We know what it is, don't we, right? That we never use Patreon and we only have other ways for fans to give us money. Well, not us. Somebody else. But not us. We don't want your money. Ugh. Ugh, Patreon. Ugh. Ooh, that is frightening. Oh, man, save those kind of comments for October, man. Ooh, that would be a spooky episode. Fair enough. Fair enough, though. All right, we're going to move right into the uh, discussion tonight because we got some games to discuss. And as um, we said before, this is a follow-up to our previous 16-bit game episodes. We've done one on Super Nintendo. We've done one on Sega Genesis. Tonight, though, uh, we're just going to be opening up to either one, talking about games from either system. No playing favorites, unless you have a favorite genre or system. But even so, what the hell, it's all about 16-bit era games we just wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. And joining us tonight, we have Barurian J and making his side quest debut, podcast newcomer Liam Land. Hooray! Thanks for joining us, guys. Oh, Hey, hey thanks for having me. Long-time hey, listener, uh, first-time caller. Woohoo! I, I, it's good My to speaker, finally have you here. <laughs> It's a, it's oh. an honor to be uh, to be asked and, and to be part of uh, the slime time extended universe. Yes, this dude, just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> We're just extending all the time. Every time we get happier, it grows a little longer. So um, it's just like those dongles, <laughs> man. Just like the dongles. All right. Well, uh, since uh, we've got somebody plugged in from halfway around the world, Liam, why don't we start with you? Go ahead, pick one of the uh, games that you. Uh, put in your list here and why don't you tell us about it and we'll see who else played and chit chat about that okay um so i the main game if we're doing one the main game that i uh wanted to talk about was uh super metroid um it is it's it's been hailed as one of the best super nintendo games of all times um and it is it's just a uh, a wonderful uh game with lots of non-linear exploration um 2d side scrolling uh it really helped popularized the metroidvania genre um and uh yeah it's the third uh, metroid game in the series that the action picks up directly after the game boy sequel to the nes original um so it incorporates that kind of continuity where you've got uh um the baby metroid that you rescue at the end of uh the game boy game and um uh and then uh 
the baby Metroid essentially gets uh, kidnapped by Ridley uh, at the very beginning of Super Metroid, and you have to then kind of track it down. And uh, I just love the level design in it. It's fantastic. The uh, the the weapon, the weapons that you find in it. This you could really see how this influenced uh, all other uh, Metroid games uh, to come after it. Um, and uh, all the little kind of bells and whistles that they added in, like the uh, um, special moves you can do, the Shine Spark, which is a speed running ability where you can just like uh, kind of uh, power, uh, like power run through things and uh, um, and like jump at different angles and like smash right through walls and things. It's it's really uh, pretty amazing. Also, the wall jumping ability where you can, um, if you manipulate the controller just right, uh, you can kick off the wall and get to uh, higher places in the level than you normally would have. And we started to see that actually kind of crop up, that mechanic uh, come up in some of the future games like Fusion as well. Um, so you could really see how, if you play this game uh, and then play some of the other games, you can really see how influential it was. Um, uh, and the ending as well, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who actually hasn't played it yet, but um, I just played it with my son, uh, who is five. And actually, I played it with him when he was four. And like just the other day, he was, he was talking about how he remembered it. It really stuck with him the the emotional uh twist at the end of the at the end of the game that leading up to the final boss and then uh and how you how you defeat the final boss in the game um so yeah it, it's uh it's just such a fantastic uh non-linear exploration game and i love that kind of aspect of it i'm not really a speedrunner. i like the kind of collection aspect where you can go in and try and get close to 100 percent as you can and finding every little hidden um, item and and power up in the game. Um, and what do you, what do you guys think? Uh, has anyone else played this game? This is one of those ones where I I'll just routinely play it over and over again, like uh, uh, every couple of years. Yeah, I played it. I played it a bunch as well. I I, I really love the Metroid games. So um, speaking of the Shine Spark, I did like that. You know that ability does make its appearance in Metroid Dread as well. Yes, I can't wait to play that one. I'm right now. I'm currently still. I'm about like four Metroids away from beating uh, the Samus Returns um, remake of the Game Boy uh, sequel. Nice. Um, so once I'm done with that, I understand. I wanted to play through that first because I, I understand that a lot of that has uh, um, an influence. That particular game, Samus Returns, has influenced uh, uh, Metroid Dread in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I, I'm going to. Uh, I want to just fully experience that one first. Yeah, it was done by the same. Studio, the remake of that uh, Metroid 2 and uh, Dread were at least. Yeah, I think um, Samus Returns is kind of very similar to Super Metroid in in terms of like the non-linear exploration style, but they added just a ton of just background animation to really flesh out. Oh yeah, uh, mm -hmm. are you going to say that that same thing about Dread? No, I was going to agree with you on what they did for Metroid 2. Is they yeah. gave it a lot more atmosphere that the you know the original game couldn't have being on the Game Boy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the remake is almost like a completely do, new game um, with all the stuff that they added to it. But yeah, definitely the backgrounds like that. That's kind of, um, I remember uh, before Other M came out, uh, I was wishing for something for the Wii that had more high definition backgrounds for, uh, or, you know, better graphic backgrounds anyway, really HD, but um, uh, more fleshed out uh, world building kind of backgrounds uh, than, um, than the original could could create whereas in, you know in some of the earlier metroids you might just see a black background 
um, indicating, you know, you're in a, in a large cave. In the newer games, you're going to see that fleshed out. Um, so uh, that playing Samus uh, Returns and probably eventually Dread is going to make me want a Super Metroid remake with like all of that would be like a perfect game. That would be fantastic. Oh boy, I could see if they remade that one that fans would be like really scrutinizing everything like, you do this right. I'm sure we all know how the hardcore Nintendo fans are, so. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a longtime Metroid fan. I would I would love it even if they did it in the style of um, that Spanish dev, uh, dev that they got. I think Mercury Stream is their name. Yeah, but oh, is is that uh, that they uh, did the that... Metroid Dread or yeah, they did Metroid Dread and they did the remake for uh, Samus Returns. Yeah, Samus Returns. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. For a second, I thought you were talking about the. There's like a, a fan group that did uh, a 2D Metroid Prime, which was pre- really really pretty interesting to play through as well because. Um, it took it took everything from the 3d world and just kind of uh flattened it out in, into a 2d uh mm-hmm. scope so well that's interesting i've played super metro actually i just beat the game for the first time uh, i don't remember if it was i honestly don't remember if it was last year or um 2020 that i beat it for the first time but i had played it years ago on my cousin's super nintendo when i was at uh, his house once when i was a little kid i was not good at the game but the opening really stuck with me and i got a good waste to it i think i was just about to get to Kraid if i remember remember right when i had played it because my time with it was pretty limited back then but i remembered um especially the opening just how dark that was and how you know it cuts over to you the the cries of the baby metroid it shows those scientists laying on the floor dead it was kind of like oh this is a like is this the right game <laughs> on the screen. but i yeah. had very little experience like with the era of nintendo that i grew up on with the nintendo 64 there wasn't any metroid games out at the time like my first introduction to samus was via smash bros 64 you know so i had really like little little to no experience with metroid at that point and it wasn't until uh, probably when i was like eight or nine then that i finally played a metroid game with super metroid and i liked it but i wasn't very good at it but um you know it's always one of those games that even though i i didn't get a chance to play it much it always kind of stuck with me so mm-hmm. what was it it was a like i said it was either 2020 or 2021 that i decided to finally sit down and play through the game fully on um, my switch with the nintendo with the super nintendo app that they have and i really enjoyed playing through the whole game and i was surprised that uh, there were a few things that i wasn't a big fan of just because i thought their controls for them were kind of wonky mm-hmm. like the wall jumping that was weird getting used to that but Otherwise, I really enjoyed playing through the game, and it really was impressive to me just how much atmosphere there was to it as well. Like, yeah, it's got some. It got, I think it's one of the uh, better looking uh, Super Nintendo games as well because they they were really able to do a lot with you know the resources they would have had at the time yeah. with the sound design, the atmosphere, and I gotta say too, the final boss and uh, some of the final moments in the game, uh, like especially like what you encounter right before you get to the final boss as well. That was yeah. kind of like a that that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say too, like the one thing that always stuck out to me about this game especially when i was younger was just how creepy some of the monsters were and when I, even at like um what is like my mid-20s seeing uh the final boss mother brain and what she ends up becoming in that final fight and the, just the damn noises she makes it's like oh man that's really creepy <laughs> that's like i could see a little kid getting to that and like just being like like scared out of their mind <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> when cool. you get the final beam weapon and you're zapping her in the head and she's like screaming <laughs> oh yeah just... 
Yeah, it's even unnerving. when she like rises up from the ground in that disgusting like robotic fleshy body she had, it's like oh, yeah, the yeah. Really, this whole game just got like some fantastic atmosphere to it, which it it was one of those times where it was like, okay, I can definitely see you know why some of the Metroid fans you know love this series as much as they do because it. Like there were some really cool moments and like in very subtle ways with how the game was able to kind of convey the story for it. Like, um, what is it? You go back to the planet. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, unfortunately, but you go to the planet. You're everything's real quiet. Then you go and collect your first like major power up as you've descended into the planet. All of a sudden, a security camera like eyeball turns on. It watches. It's watching you until you get out of the room. Then you start going back the way you came, and all of a sudden, the pirates start showing up and the music changes. So it's little yeah. things like that was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool too because I think this is the first time you actually get to see the space pirates. Um, in the other games, they're they're just like written in, and and you have Mother Brain as like the lead of the. Yeah, they're just kind of like implied to be there because like you have yeah. like ridley who was supposed to be the leader of them and then you had uh, a few others like just yeah. maybe just some like references but you're right like i think this was one of the first times where we actually got to see the aliens that were the soldiers you know, part of yeah. it not just were like the wildlife you know yeah 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 but yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this one a lot i thought it was really cool i'm, I'm hoping to replay it at some point i'm not gonna really worry about ever speed running it or anything because i just right. don't really have a desire to but i would mm-hmm. like to see if i can get uh, all the items because when I played it the first time and all the way through, I actually got a good chunk of them. I got like, I think it was like 91% of them. So just from kind of exploring around and trying different stuff, it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know? Not bad. Nice. That's pretty good. Yeah. This is one of those games, too, that has the, you know, multiple endings, depending on how fast you uh, mm-hmm. uh, you beat the game. I think um, the faster you do it, then uh, Samus is in a bikini or something like that. <laughs> Or am mm-hmm. I thinking of the first one? But it, yeah, it's something like that where like she'll either take her helmet off or take the entire suit off. Um, it doesn't go pornographic or anything. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. But we were talking uh, earlier about um, uh, how gross it can be, and that definitely there's a couple of uh, memories that kind of spark from that. Um, and Crocomire is one of the oh. bosses who's. <laughs> Once you beat him, he just like the flesh just melts off of him, and as he's like falling out of this like pool of acid, and falling it, into it, it does. It's like super graphic. It's like oh my gosh! And the funny thing is, I think this game back then was rated kids to adults, which was basically yeah. the E for everyone. All right, <laughs> uh, that was a gross on a level of like Orgo Demir from Dragon Quest Seven. Like where they're yeah. just like everything's like melting off him. Yeah, because like him that that I did not know about that when I played the game too and got to him. I was just like, oh my god, it's like super yeah. graphic. <laughs> I'm surprised that they let like, that in. But yeah, it was are cool, they trying though. to make you feel guilty for beating him? <laughs> yeah. Well, then I love it too. Like you get that fake out with him like bursting through the wall with his skeletal form. It's like, oh crap, he's back. Yeah, right, and then it just collapses. Yep, <laughs> I'm not going. That fake out got me. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a couple of good ones like that. Samus Returns does that too, where uh, you're fighting. I forget the name of the um, uh, the boss, but it's this like giant robot type thing. Oh, it's like a digger or something like that, or some sort of digging robot. Uh, and they do the fake out where it comes alive again after you beat it, and Samus just like without looking just puts her arm cannon to the side and just blasts it once, and it falls down dead. <laughs> fantastic! I love that moment. I just I laughed. I laughed like crazy when I saw that. 
but I love That's that type funny. of yeah that they, they should do more of those type of fake outs those are pretty awesome um so yeah I mean I, I didn't really delve into like any of the history behind the game or anything I just kind of wanted to talk about why I like it and uh um and it really is one of those games one of those SNES titles that I will replay like every one to two years um even though I, I know where all the items are and everything I just uh it's such a amazing game I love to kind of replay and 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 feel that rush of uh of what an amazing game this is like over and over again mm-hmm. all right well i bet we have someone with another game that they might like to replay over and over again um i'm sure they've played this more than once but brurian you want to talk about uh some heroes of the half shell Absolutely. So for for me, I chose um, specifically the Super Nintendo version of uh, Turtles in Time. So like, I think this game came out in like the very early 90s, like 91 or 92 or something like that. It was a conversion of the Turtles in Time arcade machine, which we were kind of talking about before we even started recording. But this is one of those games that I don't know what it is about. I mean, you know, everybody loved the Turtles growing up. If you were a kid in the 80s. And with this being a home console version of the arcade game that, you know, I couldn't go down to the skating rink and play at, uh, you know, my own personal whim. I had a friend who lived a couple houses down that had a copy of this game. So we'd always be over there playing it. And uh, it's... It's not a long game. Uh, it's You can beat it in like 25, 30 minutes if you're not terrible at the game. It's a very, very, very short game. But it's also a very storied game because I think it's been re-released a bunch of times since it came out on the Super Nintendo. Because I remember back in 2009, Ubisoft did a remake of it called Reshelled. It was like a full 3D remake of the game. Though so I think it's been long since um, delisted. So even if you wanted to play that version, you couldn't. But uh, yeah, this one, you just, you know, it's it's only two players, unfortunately, because, you know, the Super Nintendo was a two-player console. I guess they mm-hmm. just didn't feel like coding in four players if you got a multi-tap for the, the console. So it was just you and a friend, and you just chose one of the turtles. Um, one thing I liked about this game, though, uh, even though it was really short, it has, you know, easy and a hard mode, and you don't get the real ending for the game unless you beat the game on hard mode. And um, the mm. only difference between easy and hard mode is, I think, other than the enemies hitting just a touch harder, uh, there are some enemies that you have to kind of dash into to break their guard so that you can actually hit them. Because you, you have to do that for one of the bosses. One of the bosses, you have to throw the foot soldiers at the screen. And the only foot soldiers that come out are these ones that you have to guard break and then throw at the screen. But I don't think I mentioned what kind of game this was. It was a side-scrolling uh, arcade beat-em-up, basically. Mm-hmm. So, And the music is some of the best music I think I have heard on the Super Nintendo. Like, barring out, you know, RPG, uh, other RPG games on the Super Nintendo, this is probably one of the better non-RPG games on the system, I would have to say. Because for years, I would play this just to listen to the to, to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is absolutely banging. Like, it is so good. And one day I finally looked up who the composer was, and I've never heard of the guy before. I thought it was just some one-off dude. But this guy has been working at Konami since, like, the, the, the late 80s. And he has worked on nearly every single Bimani Konami game, which is their music line. So... 
you know, you've got guitar freaks, drum mania, pop and music, beat mania. He's put his hands into all of those. So this guy knows how to compose music. And because of that, this has just a absolutely bonkers soundtrack. And it is so good. Um, there's not really much to say out, outside of that. Um, I would imagine that most of you have at least played this game, if not any of the other ones uh, in the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade line because i think they did a nes conversion of the first arcade game but this one was uh definitely the better of the two yeah i definitely uh, i played i played this one uh quite a bit um both the arcade and the uh <clears throat> the nes and super nintendo version it's actually available on the on the cowabunka collection i believe yeah yeah, yeah. i played i, I played through it up? with a friend last night so nice yeah, we just ran through it on hard mode. Oh, yeah, you know what? That, that That is something to mention between the arcade and the console version is there are differences. Like, there's... The, the Super Nintendo version has a few more levels that the arcade version just does not have. Like, I believe Neon Knight Riders, which is one of the later levels, is not in the arcade version. And I think the Technodrome level also is not in the arcade version because there are more levels in the Super Nintendo version than the arcade version for some reason. And then some of the bosses are kind of mixed around. So when we go to the prehistoric era, once we get through the Technodrome, um, there is a boss in that one that is not in the Super Nintendo version. But we get to fight an actual well-known character, Slash, the kind of um, the hardcore... Yeah, that's 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 what you would think. No, he was just a... He, he, <laughs> no, he, I'm kidding. He, I'm kidding. He looked, like, he looked like the Turtles, but he was a more kind of grungy version of them. Um... And in the arcade version, you fight against Shredder at the end of the game, whereas in this one, you fight against Super Shredder. <gasps> Super. Dun, dun, dun. Dude, it, he's brutal only because he has an attack that will just take a life from you. That doesn't sound super. No, it isn't. Oh, well, super for him. Super, super for him. That's true. man. <laughs> but and then I believe they in the pirate level originally it was um what were their names Tokar and Raz who were I think movie characters were the bosses in that level and then in the Super Nintendo version they changed it to Bebop and Rocksteady and then put those other guys into the Super Nintendo exclusive level so you get to fight them at the end um but yeah that's that's so on the Cowabunga collection can you do four player no it's if if you play the arcade version you can but if you play okay. the um if you play the Turtles in Time Super Nintendo version no it's still only two players because they've got a lot of different versions on that collection, don't they? They they do. They include other region versions on of each game. So like we when we went through, we played through the English version and the Japanese version just to just to see the differences. And there there are differences. Like the Japanese version has more more in-game dialogue, more sound effects, some stuff that just got cut out from the American release for really no good reason. Just Konami uh, being Konami. <laughs> yeah. so Jay, Jay had mentioned that there's a multi-tap um, for SNES, or he had he had uh, uh, reminded us of that. But um, if uh, could could you play the SNES uh, Turtles game with four players with the multi-tap, or is that just not? No, it's still only two players. Even if you have a multi-tap, they never. I guess they never coded it for four. No. Yeah, it's. Well, I just I just googled it. It's restricted to two-player mode on the Super Nintendo port. All right. Well, it's still cool that you that you uh, that you can play the arcade version in four player now for the uh, using the Cowabunga collection. Yeah, what's even neater about that is the the arcade version can be played online. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, you, you did say you sat down with your friend and replayed well, online. Well, is it? I was over at his house. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, we played the Super Nintendo version, which is mm -hmm. two player local only. 
And that one you can't play online, which makes no sense if they're going to allow the arcade version to be played online. But hey, what do I know? Behind the scene coding something. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they just didn't want to bother with it. Or maybe Nintendo wouldn't let them mess with anything. Who knows? I don't know. Well, it's on other consoles, though, isn't it? So Is it? So they did do a Genesis port of Turtles in Time, but it's kind of like... I wouldn't even say it's a direct port. It's like they took Turtles in Time and then they just go, we're going to kind of scramble it around a little bit and change things here or there and call it a different game. So that one's called Hyperstone <laughs> Heist. Is that in the collection? I was going to say, that, you have all the original is, ones? Okay. Yeah, that, that is in the collection. It's a Genesis game. It was released here in America alongside Turtles in Time. But if you play both of them back to back, you're you're going to play Hyperstone Heist and be like, wait a second, this is just Turtles in Time in a different order. <laughs> but yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, Jay, uh, we haven't got to you yet. Why don't we hear the one of your two games? Because I think there's a theme going between your two. Yes, uh, my first game is going to be Donkey Kong Country 1. And I'm prefacing the one, as you'll find out later. Uh, (laughs) So Donkey Kong Country was kind of weird. They handed it off to a British studio, Rareware, who is no longer associated with Nintendo. Yeah, thanks, Nintendo. Thanks. Really, Really screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, for real. Uh, they are side-scrollers starring Donkey Kong from the arcade game and a bunch of new gorilla characters. And side-scrolling platformers, lots of jungle themes, lots of like very natural settings. Music is amazing. Um, I don't really know what to talk about because like, you, you know, I always go off a couple of these. Uh, Donkey Kong Country 1 is a very like special game to me because I always played it with my mom and my brother. She, she always showed me all the sequels. I could ramble about Donkey Kong for years. The way how... Start rambling. <laughs> yeah, how like you could roll off of like a ledge and still jump, and like some of the later levels actually had you like doing that to reach secret areas. The fact that there are a couple levels where you can just go backwards into the entrance and it skips you to the end. I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, there's Jeez, a few yeah. levels you can do that. Uh, there's like ironically, the it's always the levels that are like the, the most difficult too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the minecart levels, one of the levels with like the power going on and off. Yep, there's stop and oh. go station. There's a yeah, minecart yeah. madness from world. Basically, like half the worlds of or half the levels of world two, you can skip them if you really don't want to deal with them. No, because they were hard. And then there's the like how uh, you had Donkey Kong and you had Diddy and Diddy was a little bit faster, but Donkey Kong could take out enemies that Diddy couldn't or take them out faster. Like there are these armadillo guys that Diddy had to jump on them twice. Donkey Kong only needed one. And then like Donkey Kong has a hand slap that if you use it on trees, sometimes you get a banana bunch. And like there's that first level where if you jump across all the tops of the trees, you get like six extra lives right off the start. Nice. Yep. I like the riding mounts in this game too, like the rhino that you can use to like just smash through a wall and find a hidden area. Yep. Yeah, yeah. there's this is where this is uh, one of the first games that had that too, where they introduced some of the new like animal buddies. Because mm-hmm. there was Rambi the Rhino, um there was uh, Ex- Special Winky oh, 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 it's Ungard. Ungard the uh, swordfish. And there was Expresso uh, the uh, ostrich. Yeah. And I Winky the, the Frog. <laughs> yes. Oh, and all those animal buddies had their own bonus levels in this game where you could collect like three of their tokens and it takes you to a level where it's like based around their abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, that, that's that's it. That's Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with this game, and I, I loved I loved the second one. Are you are you're going to talk about the second one as well later? Or yes, I will be talking about the second one later. I'll probably have so, more to say. Spoiler yeah. alert! God, 
this this game <laughs> this game absolutely taught me about patience as a kid like i remember on some of like i think i was playing this game in my early teens whenever it came out and I remember getting, I remember specifically getting so fucking mad at some of these <laughs> levels that I would start like raging. And I remember my dad taking the controller away from me until I learned to calm down. So mm. playing this game oh. help, helped me learn patience. Yeah, this game definitely does not pull its punches when you get into the later levels because, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> even the levels are ridiculous. Like, when you get to like the halfway to... point, like World 3, that's when the game's starts really taking off the gloves and really starts throwing a lot of curveballs at you yeah this is one that um i played a lot i've played a, a lot over the years I've replayed it a lot uh my first experience with it was with the game boy color port that came out in like 2001 for it where it was pretty much the like the, the entire game just they had to change a few little things like it's not always like donkey kong and diddy kong following one another it's like you take the hit and then they jump in and swap out for the other one instead you could still change them with the push of the select button but there's only one kong on screen at the time um, but that was my first experience with it. I actually got pretty close to beating it, but man, like the last few levels in Chimp Caverns, the final area of the game, oh my god, the freaking stages where you gotta collect like the oil barrels and you gotta like avoid it's the like, enemies as they come at you. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> like, rare. Please, calm down. <laughs> but I, I still love the game a lot. I, I've replayed the Super Nintendo version like so many times. I have gotten to the point where if I try and speed run the game, I can do it in about an hour if I don't go for any of the secrets or anything. But that's that's pretty good, dude. Yeah, it's it's fun. I like replaying this one because it's definitely you kind of memorize some stuff. And that's also without skipping any levels, by the way. I don't. <laughs> but um, I, I love this game a lot. I think it's I do think that Donkey Kong Country 2 really improved on what they were going for. But I really enjoy the first one a lot as well. It has some really cool music uh, by David Wise, uh, the legend yeah. himself. <laughs> and I really enjoy um, that a lot of this, that this did become sort of a revival for Donkey Kong as well. Because, you know, before that, it was mostly just the arcade games he was in. So this kind of gave some new life to the character and kind of helped flesh things out for future releases. And as we've seen um, in the last like decade or so, they've, they've continued to bring him back in, even with some new uh, Donkey Kong Country games, with like Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii and uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, both on the Wii U and the Switch, which that one is one I would definitely oh, recommend, no. too, if you're looking to play a Donkey Kong Country game, like a newer one, because Tropical Freeze is really good. Don't forget about the wonderfully 3D animated Donkey Kong TV show. <laughs> you know what? Sounds like we should Cred forget about that. <laughs> You know what? Credit where it's due. Like, there's some, there are some good parts of that show, but boy, it's it's not good. Can we, uh, can we talk about the uh, the Kong family lineage as well? Like, uh, <laughs> Cranky Kong. So he's the the old man in the game. So he's supposed to be the he's original, the, like original yeah, arcade Donkey Kong, right? Yep. Yeah, he's supposed to yeah. be the original Donkey Kong, and uh, Donkey Kong Junior, uh, his son from the time, is supposed to be the current Donkey Kong now. Oh, okay. Yeah, which gets really confusing then because in a, and I've actually was just playing this earlier, and the thought popped in my head: if you play some of the games that came out after that, like um, Mario Tennis '64, 
Donkey Kong Jr. is an unlockable character, and he's there with his older self, but he's for some reason treated like their father and son. So it's supposed to be Cranky Kong and the new Donkey Kong? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I got thinking about it too much. I'm like, you know what? Never mind. Don't worry about it. It's just a video game. Don't think about it. Yeah, don't don't think too, don't don't think too hard. Yeah, because Cranky Cranky Kong will make uh, comments throughout Donkey Kong One about it. Yep. Yeah, and that's actually too why the game starts off with the little cutscene it does because uh, it shows Cranky Kong standing on like the classic girders from uh, the original Donkey Kong is- arcade game. He's playing the, the little construction site. Yep. Yeah. It's like he's standing on those old school like uh, platforms and stuff. He's playing the arcade theme on that little uh, uh, phonograph he has. And that's when Donkey Kong bursts in and you know jumps on him, knocks him off. It's like, no way, man. This is my game now. <laughs> Pulls out the boombox, starts yep. dancing. Was this the first game to feature Donkey Kong with a tie? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. It was. I, I like that. It's very, very distinguished professional looked for him. Mm-hmm. He classed it up. And they yeah. did. And you know what? It is such a simple addition, but really it, it does kind of suit him. Because like nearly all of his appearances, he has that uh, boat or his uh, tie somehow. Or they give him the big DK on like his outfits and like some of the sports game instead. It's all about the big DK, man. Yep. Big dongle. Dongle. Not going to say the last part. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. Yangus, you're finishing up talking about that. Would you want to go straight into your game that you wanted to uh, talk about, 16-bit-wise? Sure. It's actually the game that kind of inspired me to uh, say, like, hey, we should do another episode for 16-bit games. Uh, and one that I just completed a few weeks ago. Uh, and that is Fantasy Star 4 for the uh, Sega Genesis. So this is the fourth game released from the Fantasy Star series, but chronologically, it's the third game series. Uh, it takes place about a thousand years after uh, Fantasy Star 2. Uh, the game actually does allude to that several times as well. And in this game, you are star, uh, you are playing as this young hunter named Chaz, who is being trained by uh, his mentor slash uh, friend uh, Aelus, who is a top-ranked hunter. Uh, basically, the plot starts off with she's just kind of showing him the ropes, training him, you know, kind of teaching him what the hunters do in this world. Basically, Basically, hunters are just uh, like they're mercenaries. They help people out with different problems or they'll complete different like uh, quests for people if something comes up. And what starts off is just investigating some strange going on in the world ends up becoming a planet hopping adventure as you travel to some different uh, planets in the Algol system. Uh, meeting some new friends, including some different alien species uh, from across the planets. Uh, and even this, you get to learn about some uh, tiebacks and connections to some of the earlier games in the Fantasy Star series. So, and all of this ends up tying into the overarching villain and his overall plot, uh, Dark Force. And the uh, source of Dark, and the very source of Dark Source, or of Dark Force. Excuse me, too many rhymes that rhyme with horse. <laughs> but, um, but, of course. Yes. Now, excuse me while I fetch my horse. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so Fantasy Star 4 is pretty much the culmination of uh, aspects of the three previous Fantasy Star games. Uh, the first one being on the Sega Master System and 2 and 3 being uh, Genesis titles as well. Uh, Fantasy Star 4 uh, features a five-party a five system with a rotating door party. Uh, it's a lot like if you've played, ever, ever played Final Fantasy 4, uh, how different characters will come and go depending on how the plot progresses. And what I really liked about that, too, um, besides reminding me of that game, is that the game does a nice job of really keeping the story moving at a nice pace and really helping characters keep up. Uh, there's a point later on in the game where when you're about ready to tackle like the final dungeon, that all of your old party members will come back, and you're free to pick whichever one you want to bring with you. And the nice thing is that the game does have them all 
catch up on levels and equipment and stuff. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I got to go back to this town and get this equipment or I got to go, you know, off and level grind them a bit. And really, I thought the cast overall in this game was pretty good. There are uh, 11 different characters that come and go throughout the game. Uh, some of them are more of like, you know, balanced characters like uh, Chaz, Alice, and uh, uh, Rika, who are, they can do a little bit of attacking. They have some healing spells, offensive spells, you know, abilities to help protect the party. Overall, um, some of them are a little bit stronger in some areas than others, but overall, they're, you know, like they're your balanced out characters. Uh, you have your more magic focused characters like Ruin and uh, one of the uh, guys who you can join, who meets you on the uh, ice planet later on in the game. Uh, you know, they're more focused on like offensive or defensive magic. And then you have the robot type characters. Uh, there's only two of those in the game, but the two of them, um, they don't get much uh, in terms of spells, but they get really powerful abilities uh, that allow them to like heal themselves, you know, attack the enemy party, you know, give some status buffs and they can really take a lot of hits. Uh, magic, magic wise, they're not quite as strong, but offense wise, other than that, they're really good. And the nice thing is too, is that, like I said, this is kind of a rotating um, door party kind of game where different characters will come and go as you progress. And there's a really nice, and like I said, there's a really nice balance to uh, how the party, how the parties kind of play out because I never once felt at any point in the game, like the current party that the game put me with was like super weak or like I was saddled with somebody who was like really dragging it down or like, oh, there's too many spell casters or anything like that. So like balance wise, as far as the gameplay goes and the party integration, I thought it was really good. There's also, a lot of spells that your characters can learn as they level up and some abilities that everybody gets. Uh, abilities act like some of the older Final Fantasy games where um, instead of having an MP system for them, they have charges to them. So like as you level up, you'll get more charges for different abilities as you and you'll learn new ones as well. But all you got to do to restore those is to go back to an inn. Or if you have characters that can use magic, they have their own separate um, abilities for that. You just got to go into their magic list. You choose uh, from the spell list. They cast it. They can't use their MP. Yeah. Pretty simple and standard. Like, if you've played other RPGs, you'll be able to pick up on, you know, some of the basic gameplay features of Fantasy Star 4. But I really thought that, that did work out in its favor, though, because it was easy enough to understand and get right into it. Like, even when I first uh, played the game and, like, took a, quite a bit of a break from it for a while. Um, Story-wise, too, does a really good job keeping the pace, keeping everything pretty brisk. It's got these really cool, this really cool way of doing the story as well, where they have all these um, panels like a comic book or like a manga that will come up and show the characters like reacting or they'll have different expressions. Uh, it'll show some different scenes, a little more detailed than like what they show with the in-game uh, sprites themselves. Um, some really cool ones are especially towards the end of the game or like whenever they show what's happening in like the solar system itself, with like on the computer screens and everything. So there's a lot of really cool details details uh to the gameplay and to the story integration and everything and the characters uh for this title and um let me see what was the other thing oh and what i really thought was cool about the uh, battle system for this game uh so you have two really cool things you can do so first off there's the macro system where you know how sometimes you just in rpgs you come across those easy encounters you don't even need to worry about you just you know pretty much can just press a and you know everybody just normal attack and get through them well in this game you can actually set macros to do specific actions for you and you can do them in however order you want so like let's say you get into a counter where you know there's going to be tough enemies and you want to make sure that right off the bat you got some stronger defense but you can set it your macro so rika can go first she has a defense buffing skill she can use that right away and then everybody else can attack afterwards so you don't have to worry about like having to heal up or worry about other physical damage or you could do macros where characters use certain abilities in a row and hey this leads into the other thing i was going to talk about the combo system 
where if you use uh, specific spells or abilities, or, you know, whatever the combination might work for it, you can do uh, these combo attacks. It's a little bit like Chrono Trigger in a way, except unlike in Chrono Trigger, where you have the, like, the list in your spell list that'll pop up and actually let you choose it, uh, you have to kind of figure them out on your own or just read some of the hints from, like, NPCs, like, oh, you know, I bet if you could combine you know, fire and ice, you could probably do some crazy uh, kind of stuff with it. it. It was fun to kind of figure out, too, how to use some of these combo spells and if, if I accidentally discovered them as well, that was fun. But I really enjoyed the combat system, especially with the macro options, because it was so nice to just scroll down the menu when a battle started, you know, click an option. It's like, okay, I know this is an easy encounter. Let's click this one. Uh, Rune uses his, like, attack all enemy spell. Oh, look, I won the battle already. Good. We don't have to waste time with that. <laughs> but yeah, this was uh, an RPG that I really enjoyed a lot. I played it on my uh, uh, Genesis Mini. I started it... I think it was last year, if I remember right. I ended up just uh, stopping through about halfway through, which is a problem I have with RPGs a lot of the time. <laughs> but I stopped halfway through, and then just a few, like a month or two ago, I got the urge to plug my Genesis Mini back in and uh, continue on with the game. And next thing I knew, I was beating it. I really enjoyed it. I think this is a, you know, I saw right away, like after beating it too, why so many people like consider this one of the best uh, RPGs from this particular era. And I would definitely recommend it, whether you have played any other fantasy star games, or if you're just looking for, uh, you know, a new RPG to play from the 16 bit era. So yeah, there's my lovely little thoughts on fantasy star four. Do you guys have anything about this game you want to talk about? I have always wanted to play them, but I never have. (laughs) So I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I'm working on uh, I'm working on plowing through the second game still, and and eventually hope to get to the fourth. I heard it's the best one in the in the uh, in the series. Oh yeah, it was really good. I haven't played uh, any of the other ones prior to it except a little bit of uh, the first three. But when I went into four, it's like, oh, this is really good. I like this one, and it makes me want to go back and play the other games. Then you know, see how you know, kind of to see a little more of like the references or to catch anything I might have missed. Is uh, number three the one with the generations? Yes. Okay. Yep. So I, I I played one. I think I played two because they were both out on. I think one and two came out together on a GBA cart. Yeah, one, two, and if three I'm... were on the Game Boy Advance together. Okay. Yep. So all three of them were in that cart. Yeah, I had that cart. I believe I beat one and two, and I know I made it to maybe the beginning of the third generation, or at least I, I know I did two generational jumps. I might have restarted. I can't mm-hmm. recall, but I, I think I played them all like back to back to back one summer, and was just fantasied out. <laughs> Yeah, you know, three is the one that I definitely hear has the most like mixed opinions on it. But after mm-hmm. watching a um, like little re- review slash like a retrospective thing on it a few weeks ago, uh, back when I was making my way through four, I was like, man, you know, three, you know, it unfortunately does sound like it has a few issues to it. But from the way it was described and talked about, it did seem like it would be worth playing just to see, especially with the generational system, because I was really impressed, like all the different things that could happen with the generations, because listening to the guy talk about it and kind of showing off some of the stuff, I was, I was pretty impressed impressed that they you know did all that for this um you know 16-bit Sega Genesis game I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. so they definitely had the ambition just think maybe there's a few execution things they weren't quite able to handle probably just because of maybe software limitations or time constraints you know you never know but yeah, Fantasy Star 4 is definitely one that I would uh, recommend, especially if you enjoy uh, uh, Super Nintendo RPGs and, uh, you know, other 16-bit era RPGs, too. Very easy to get into, and um, only thing I'd recommend is if you do play it is uh, look up the list for the spells, because spell names are a little confusing. Once you figure kind of out how they work, it's it's kind of like the Dragon Quest thing, where you realize, like, oh, this is supposed to be part of the Frizz line, or this is part of the Crack line. Um, 
take that crack line out of context, it sounded real bad. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, we all love a good line of crack. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that that was definitely one of the more confusing things, unfortunately. But once you kind of once I once you kind of realize like, oh, it works like a Dragon Quest, where like you get to the next one, it's like it's called like Gisar or it's called like Fuzzar. It's like okay, so it kind of works like that. You got a suffix. Yep. Yeah. Power. Yeah. Once you kind of realize how that's how they're doing that too, it's like oh, okay, all right, because that that's my first thought was was like oh, it's like Dragon quest okay all right good <laughs> easy enough to understand them <laughs> but yeah that's all i got on a uh, fantasy star four all right well uh that, that takes us to me and i've got a game that uh does not rival your fantasy star four in terms of a uh, super nintendo rpgs but um I, I had been looking up super nintendo rpgs over the summer I haven't played and beaten one in 16 years. So uh, 16-bit RPGs have just been gone for me for since like early 2000s. But uh, I think I'll talk about it a little bit later, kind of run through a couple of games I didn't choose for this, but uh, ended up, I think it was just last weekend, uh, finding a game called Magic Knight Ray Earth. Uh, saw that it was an under 10 hour game. I'm like, oh, I can probably do this. So got some information on it. I, I feel like I'm going to be pendy here, giving you all the uh, 411 on the information about the game before talking about what I did with it. But this was a Super Famicom game in Japan from 95. Uh, it was based on the anime Super, or bleh, not Super, Magic Knight Ray Earth. Uh, it's about these 14-year-old girls that were, I don't know, on a field trip or something at the Tokyo Tower and magically got pulled into this land by a princess uh, and land of knights and dragons and all this stuff. Um, the land's in the process of being overthrown by a big bad guy and they're being t- they are told that, hey, you're the magic knights and we know you want to go, go back home, but hey... To go back home, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. So you, you might as well just kill this bad guy while you're at it. It's easy. Then you'll be able to go back home. Um, and it's a... Uh, I was looking up all this information on it, and I found it was interesting because this was translated way back in the day. This was... Uh, let's see. Fan translation was 99. It was translated by a group called LNF Trans- Translations, an RPGE. Um I found that it was claimed to be only the second Super Nintendo RPG ever fan translated after Final Fantasy V and only the sixth Japanese RPG ever to receive an English fan translation. Um, What was funny is the group was led by this, I'm assuming, lady named Lena Chan who started hacking ROMs of Lufia 2 because she wanted to rename her characters and she wanted to call the Sinistrals in that game hentai fans. You know, lovely. (laughs) (laughs) What? <laughs> yes, she just wanted her and her, you know, BFFs to beat up some hentai fans. So, you know, it okay. was. Yep. So that got her into ROM hacking. And after she did this game, actually, it's a pretty short game. Uh, her group got into um, helping out uh, Dayjap translations, release the uh, Sick and Dead Setsu 3 translation. And Dayjap, didn't they work on uh, Dragon Quest 6, if I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. before they broke up? Yeah, it's one of them. It, it's one does of them. sound familiar. Yep. They were either one of the two groups that were doing Dragon Quest V, but I want to say they're the group that did like the 90% version of Dragon Quest VI, never quite finished it. So little Dragon Quest tie in here. Um, but actually, I didn't play this fan translation. Uh, just because I was on ROM hacking last weekend reviewing something else, I happened to see like, oh, hey, new translation for this game. And as of August of 2022, there's a new translation group called M-Teen, M-Team, and they made a version that I played that is called Easy Mode. Now, it's kind of Easy Mode. It doubles the experience and gold 
um, from all the battles that you fight, but at the same time, it halves the encounter rate. So if you just walk through and play the game normally, you're not overleveled or anything because you're only having half as many battles, but you're getting double the experience. So no big deal. But holy shit, let me tell you, the encounter rate was still quite high. And I'm like, holy crap, this is 50% encounter rate. Like this game must be ridiculous um in its original form because and kind of looking around i was like oh one of the former hosts of the podcast rpg backtrack that i now co-host reviewed it and gave it a good old 1.5 out of 5 (laughs) (laughs) and and i mean i kind of usually like the games that he likes and i was like damn 1.5 but uh I can kind of see why this is really a generic, you know, if you would say, hey, what's a JRPG like from the SNES era? Like, what would be the bare bones outline of a game? This is it. This is it. It's I mean, you've got some turn based battle systems. You got spells that use up your MP. Um, and other than that, there's not much. You, your actual weapons and armor grow with you. The more you use them, they supposedly grow levels, and it set points throughout the game. It's like, hey, you beat this, you get a new piece of armor, yay! And your sprite changes by, like, three pixels, or you get a new weapon, and it just happens to happen, which kind of ticked me off, because I thought there was a neat little bow animation with the green Magic Knight at the beginning of the game, and then after, like, two hours, it was like, ah, you're all Magic Knights growing up now so here's new swords for all three of you and then from then on they all just played with the same sword it was like uh, well that was generic at least you had something a little unique about you um also think the sprite work i thought was really good um like any game of this era you're fighting you know 17 recolors of the same sprites throughout the games um but they had like really detailed ones they had the what is it the naga ladies that have the snake um tails and like they had like really big boobs on them i mean it was the size of their head um <laughs> i was All like right. wow that's yep yep i'm like well, i guess we're doing this uh, but a interesting design choice they made, the boss sprites, anytime you would fight one of the bosses who were pretty much all humans, they had no face. Like, you had this intensely detailed sprite with no face. Was and I thought story reason for it? Or? Nope, nope, because, I mean, they had character portraits when they were talking before the battle and whatever, but just, like, when there was an enemy on screen, I'm like, did they just not want to put a couple eyeballs and a little smiley face? Like, you've got their armor and all parts of their sword shaded and all this stuff, and but just... <laughs> Did they not hire a sprite guy that could do faces for humans? You get the Naga face. It it is bizarre. And I thought like the first time, like, oh, maybe it's just this one. But no, it was a reoccurring thing. Every human person that you fought as bosses were just blank face. Um, And and they should have just, even if they just put like little dot eyes in a smile. I know, just little dot eyes or something. (laughs) I mean... It, it even has the little thing, um, what is it, in either anime or manga, where the sprites are not maybe chibified, but they turn into little chibi figures to get pissed off or something like that when they're doing strong emotions. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They do that. Their little sprites like turn into little chibi things. The one grows ears when she gets all excited and talks about it. And I'm like, again, you did that to a little sprite on the screen, but like a bigger sprite in a battle. You couldn't even bother to put a face in. Um, something, another weird thing that was going on is because your armor and your weapons are just being given to you as you go through, there's very little management that you need to do in terms of anything, but you get a shitload of gold. And I read the review for of the original translation, and sure enough, the gold, you got a lot of gold in that version, too. So midway through the game, I've got like 50,000 gold, and even like the strongest MP restoring potions are like, eh, maybe 100, 200 gold. So, I mean, I could just use MP all the time and for no money, gen- um, 
in terms of this. I could just keep restoring all my MP until uh, one, one of the reoccurring things about the game is you do get, as you're saying with um, Fantasy Star 4, you're, you've got these three girls, but there's a fourth slot. You can have four characters. And the fourth slot is usually the last ball, boss you just beat. They go full-on Shonen Jump with, uh, you know, oh, you beat them, and now they're like, oh, I'll be your friend. Um, you beat some summoner boy at one time, and then he's like, oh, it's just evil because I'm friends with all these monsters and nobody likes me, and little grandma comes along. She's like, I like you and your monsters. So he follows you like right up until the next boss. And then he's like, I'm going to go live with that grandma. And then you beat this hot chick girl and she joins you for a while. And then right before you're like to walk into the next boss, she's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of hurt. I think I need to go rest up back at that last town we passed. And then you fight some super strong dude and he comes along with you. But right as you go into another boss battle an hour later, they're like, you know what? I think we three just need to do this alone. He's like, well, you know, have it your way. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> and just walks out this time. Yeah. Even, just, even, I mean, they, they didn't even bother with a reason. Just like, dude, <laughs> we got this. You can go. You can go. I, just, I, would, I just imagine like the playable characters are just like, you know, this seems to happen a lot with these, with our, and with our party members. So, you know what? Just leave. We, we don't We're about to walk into this cave. We know you you're going to leave us anyway. So we'll make oh, the first oh. view and break up with you. Oh my um, God. That's funny. I think it was the hot chick one, though, that you had to pay 50,000 gold for her to come with you. And I'm like, is seriously this is the only reason I've been collecting gold the whole game? So I, I guess I could have done it without her. But since I had like 50 grand or I think she took 30,000 or something like that, I was like, yeah, why not? What else am I doing with this money? I can't buy enough potions to make a dent in it. So uh, I was going to say, was there like an inventory limit, too? I mean, because you said how cheap they all were. Did they like limit you so you uh, couldn't like have an endless supply? You know what? To be honest, I'm not sure. But because I, I would buy like 20 or 30 of these things. I was trying to make sure I was like in the 20s at all time okay. with all these things, even though I never even dipped into the teens. It was like it, the game wasn't that hard to begin with. Um, and like I said, everything, every time I battle, heck, every battle, somebody's armor level would go up or weapon level would go up i don't really know what that did because it was just so easy it wasn't like i had to keep looking in the statistics or any, or the uh, stats of the players or anything so yeah. all in all this game took me six maybe seven hours it didn't have a timer built in um the best kind I, of rpg I, yeah no it was something i looked up and it was an under 10 hour thing i was like oh you know why not i'll play this and then i got through it pretty quickly i did it um labor day weekend just three days I think I started Friday night and I was done by Monday afternoon. So it was a fun little thing. I use the fast forward function a little bit, but the Vita doesn't really fast forward uh, SNES games too much. So no big deal. As it was, you could press the L or the R button just in the game to walk a lot faster. So that made just getting around a whole lot easier. Um, I will say I found a wonderful site when looking at this. I'm like, how the hell have I never been on this site before? It's called uh, fantasyanime.com. Oh, yeah, I know that site very well. Yeah, I was like, how have I never encountered this? Basically, it's like Woodus's Den. Um, what Woodus has all the Dragon Quest games and all the information and walkthroughs and maps and sprite work and everything. This one's got like almost every SNES RPG on there. And they they go as far, they host the ROMs, they host the modded ROMs, they have save states in like every chapter of every game on there. They've got full music suites. And honestly, up until just a year ago, they had all that for all the Final Fantasy games, too. And they finally got a couple different cease and desist orders over the past year. Um, yeah, it's probably due to those pixel remasters. Oh, I would yeah. guess so. Yeah. You know what? I, 100% because they got hit for, uh, what is it, Live Alive or Live Alive or whatever Live that alive. is. Yeah. 
Live Alive. Yep. They got hit for that one too. So, uh, but other than that, like if you're looking for a uh, SNES game, they've got uh, RPG especially. They got a hell of a lot of stuff on there. Um, so yeah, I'll put the show the link in the show notes. But I, w- I was more impressed by the website than I was by this game. <laughs> Yeah, this game falls squarely into that niche of, you know, old old video game tie-ins of yep. you're not going to enjoy this unless you're already a fan of Thing. Because mm-hmm. I, have, I have played a fair amount of Fist of the North Star games, and if I was not already a fan of Fist of the North Star, these games would be awful. Like, I can get over it because... Of the fact that I like the thing, but yeah, it's it's very much if you like it, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it probably. Yeah, and I, I don't know if this was made to be such an easy game because hey, this is an anime about fourteen year old girls, so maybe we'll make a game that fourteen year old girls can beat without having to put any thought into it. I could see Japan being um, feeling that way in the mid nineties. So yeah, like I said, not much difficulty. You didn't have any really. You had item management. That was it. Like, and even then, they gave you so much money that you could just buy your way through the game. Yeah, it's probably made. It was probably made for kids. Yeah, yeah. But uh, interesting little game. You ever feel like you want to knock out something in, in a day or two? Um, I bet if you played it on a PC and sped it up even faster, you could get through this a lot faster because the battles the battles dragged on a little bit. But all right, who are we gonna? Liam, we're going to circle back around to you. All right. Um, so I guess the next game I want to discuss was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for Genesis. So Dr. Robotnik is back, and he's kidnapped all of Sonic's animal friends again. What a jerk. Uh, so Sonic 2 is a side-scrolling platformer. Um, big game introduces the sidekick character Tails, or Miles Prower, as a two-tailed fox. Um, and it's got the uh, two-player co-op uh, where you and a friend can play uh, at the same time, which I always love doing because Tails is immortal. <laughs> so he has no <laughs> lives. He, uh, It's great. You could just have the person playing Sonic just avoid the boss and then just have Tails go all ham on him, just go crazy on uh, you know, and that without fear of uh, falling into a lava pit or hitting a spike or anything, because he's just gonna helicopter back in on his two tails. Uh, the perfect one to have little brother or sister play as. That's what I was gonna say. Like I've always heard this game described as a uh, with its two player, like it's little, it's little brother, little sister mode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The one thing I will say about it though is uh, the bonus, the special stages uh, are pretty brutal after maybe the second or third one. So once you get you get a a chaos emerald every time you uh you beat a special stage um and uh i think if you get all what are there six of them or something like that you get um, uh in this one there's seven of them. Oh, there's seven you, yep. you can uh basically turn into uh, super saiyan sonic and uh you're, you're yellow and you're fat it's kind of like having the uh um, the red boots, uh, the red boot power up for speed all the time. Um, I only did it once and I think it was with like a uh, Game Genie code or something on an emulator um, because the, it, it, I just wanted to see what it was like but the, the actual special stages um, you'd probably need to play with two very skilled uh, players to collect all of the uh, the rings and really just kind of know which direction the other one is going to go in um, because it is really, really difficult um, mm-hmm. to uh, to collect. The, the, this also had a uh, player versus player mode in split screen, which was a lot of fun, um, but it was uh, heavily steeped in whoever was memorizing the stages the, the, the most. <laughs> <laughs> so I would 
would always kind of like dominate to whoever was visiting um, because like half the time they didn't have the game. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it's still a ton of fun. I love how they took the three stage um, uh, the three stage model of the original where you have to play through three three of the same type of stages. And they reduced that to do to to uh, two and added much more. Um, this was definitely a game I used to just sit in front of the TV and sink like two three hours just to you know how, however long it took to to play. But I would be at it for hours, um, you know, playing all the way through. And I feel like it, there weren't a lot of lulls in it. There was always something uh, interesting in in each version of the stage. You know, even when you get to the oil the oil stage, uh, which was pretty frustrating because they throw a lot of surprise attacks at you in a game involving speed where you're constantly just being like slicked down an oil slick and then something something's like right there to to, to jump at you um and so like you there's a lot of frustrating things, but it is like definitely rewarding too. There's a, a ton of uh, really fun and memorable stages, like the uh, when Tails is flying the plane and you're uh, you're on your way trying to get to the rocket that's going to take you up to uh, Robotnik's spaceship, and you know you fighting uh, Metal Sonic and everything, and then just that final boss encounter with with Robotnik in the in the giant robot version of himself, uh, which I they actually came out with a toy uh, like a couple of years ago. Uh, it was like 20 years after the game's release, and they came out with the toy of that. Which I thought was uh, was pretty interesting throwback, but uh, yeah, so it's just I love the the co-op version, the co-op style of this game. I can't wait to play this with my son when he's old enough. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot too. I've uh, replayed Sonic Two a few times. Uh, I got the uh, Sega Ages version of the game uh, on the Nintendo Switch, which actually includes the um, uh, the Knuckles content that if you would have done like on the on the Genesis back in the day, you, like you put the Knuckles. Um, what the hell was that called? It was like the Sonic and Knuckles expansion pass or cart called Sonic thing. and Knuckles but it was the it was the extension cart you know you had to plug that oh. in to the system then you had to plug the uh, cartridge on top of that but well, no, um, the um, the Sonic and Knuckles had a pass through built into it yeah that's what I'm saying though you have to oh. use the, the thing to plug it into this to, on the Genesis you had to plug the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 cartridge on top of that and you plugged it in you to play as Knuckles then it's Sonic oh Hedgehog that's 2. interesting I don't yeah. even think I ever knew about that yeah so it was like an adapter yeah that allows you to insert oh, that's yeah it's, it's funny it's the only game that I've ever known to be an adapter for itself. Mm-hmm. A physical DLC? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Ba- yeah. <laughs> huh. But, um, yeah, like, I've played it's Sonic 2 plug. a few... <clears throat> it gives you uh, boost levels. What? You repeat that, Jay. We didn't if, hear you. If you plug... Oh, no? Uh, no. Hang on. You, you gotta say it again whenever you said... Oh, uh, let me try this again. Can you hear me now? Uh, if you plug any uh, like a non-Sonic Genesis game into Sonic and Knuckles, it gives you a random blue sphere level. That's it. That's that's my two cents on that. Huh. All right, well, here we go. <laughs> Sonic one. You got your Genesis well. laying around. Just try out some different things and see what happens. <laughs> that's cool. But yeah, that... um, I, I was just gonna say I've just replayed this one a few times, and it's always fun going back to it and trying. You know, see if I can find any different paths and levels that I, didn't, that I missed before. Yeah. Has anyone ever gotten all seven Chaos Emeralds? in the special stages by like i know i'm obsessed with special stages but uh <laughs> just in one player mode because yeah. even in oh yeah yeah i've done that you've before. got you've gotten that really yeah oh yeah, yeah. wow because I, 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 I used to have i used to play this a ton as a kid so yeah I, I got i got good enough to do it now i just put the cheat code in just to have it from the start yeah because tails will jump he'll jump like a split second after sonic but like if you're not really really precise you're gonna get hit by one of those like uh, the black uh spike balls that's why you just go into the options and just 
just turn Tails off. Oh, see, I kind of like yes. having him because if you know about the delay, you can use him to your advantage then to pick up some other rings that you might miss or to get That's out of the true. way of upcoming Yeah, bonds. my problem with that, though, is that he more often than not just, like, uh, gets hit and then loses his rings, and now I'm under, and the stage ends. So, But, yeah, I, I feel like that special stages, again, to harp on special stages, uh, <laughs> I feel like that was a, that was a major... <laughs> I'm not talking about the game itself. I'm just talking about the special stages. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh the, the special stages is definitely a major influence on like mobile gaming if you see a lot of like remember those old kind of cheesy looking mobile games where it's like spider-man running and you just mm-hmm. have to like flip 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 your finger left or right to like swipe left or right to oh yeah. Turn directions. yeah like Timber i feel like Run. yeah yeah like any of those type of games i feel like was heavily influenced by this this type of uh um you know basic like you're 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 looking from the behind and the character's just running straight and you're just reacting to what's ever coming down the line i feel like uh, a lot of mobile stuff took advantage of that style of game so that when that came out i was like oh this is just sonic 2 <laughs> it's true well that's what it feels like anyways but enough about special stages <laughs> <laughs> all right well if we're done with the special stages of sonic uh it's time to head back to uh another country country we visited once and now a country we're going to visit twice so we'll get back to Jay and Donkey Kong Country, but uh, number two this time. You want to go number two, Jay? I think he had to step away for a bit. Yeah, he... he oh, special stages. <laughs> More so, special stages. So did, did you ever play Sonic and Knuckles, Liam? I didn't, actually. It, it, I stopped it, too. I, I think I peaked my my Sonic, my my love for the for Sonic games. I liked, stopped it, too. I, that's I liked probably the for the stages. best, actually. I like the special <laughs> stages in Sonic and Knuckles. They they were pretty neat because each, each uh, checkpoint had two different types that you could play, depending on i think it was the way you jumped into the the little ring that would form around if you had 50 coins and one of them would be a kind of uh you would be you would gravitate in a ball form to these other balls that were sitting on the stage and you'd kind of rotate around them and you would use the gravity of it to slingshot yourself upwards and you were trying to beat your way out of the top of the level with this beam of light just kind of following you and if it hit you you would just get ejected from the special stage so you could get special shields more rings i think even lives doing that and then the other one i think was just a kind of pinball-esque kind of thing to where you tried to get a hundred rings before you got ejected from the stage mm. i'll tell you special How, uh, stages that i hate i hate the ones in sonic one. Oh my god uh, the most disorienting <laughs> special stages i've ever played in like a video yeah. game they really Those are, are I, but you know what i loved them i oh. love them too yeah <laughs> you the could actually on them make actually, no sense <laughs> yeah they're confusing as all hell but, but i got doable. all six of the emeralds in that game but oh my god man no never again (laughs) i actually keep my genesis out just so i can pop one of those games in and play it every once in a while sonic one is a little harder to well at least in my opinion it's a little harder to go back to replay that one because it's weird like every other world it's like the faster moving stages and then every even numbered world it's more of like the slow down maze you got to walk through Mm -hmm. and take your time with it and i mean there's some sonic games like later on like even sonic 2 has a few parts like that but i never really felt like the momentum was really stopping too awful much or if it or if it did have parts with slow down yet we had to just kind of work your way back and forth through the level depending on the path went the, the mystic k i think the mystic caves is what they were called in sonic 2 that was kind of the slow methodical pull the levers open up the doorways to get your way to the to the end that was probably one of the slowest levels in the entire game probably followed by oil ocean Mm. well oil ocean was fast but you had to go slower you were going to get hit yeah 
yeah, a fun, I, I a fun think, fact. Oh, go ahead, okay. Liam. Uh, I was going to say, I, I think uh, rather than than uh, you know replay these these games, though, I, I did I do want to check out like Sonic and Knuckles and Sonic Three, some of the ones that I I didn't play as much. I I did try Sonic Three on an emulator at one point, and I thought it almost felt like a graphical step down, or there was something weird about it that I didn't didn't quite uh, appreciate. Um, but I need to give that on another shot. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worth uh, it's worth it. Yeah, you, you need to play you need to play the Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles mod. Knuckles. Where everything is just knuckles. <laughs> knuckles fighting knuckles. It is. It really is. It's just they replaced like if you do the knuckles and knuckles and knuckles mod or whatever it's called now, it replaces Sonic and Tails with two knuckles, and then they have to fight the third knuckles. And then there's knuckles <laughs> flying around in the egg machine that Robotnik is usually in. <laughs> hey, while while he can while he can fly around and climb on walls and stuff, if you if you do the Sonic and Knuckles Sonic two playthrough with Knuckles. He actually can't jump as high as Sonic, and it messes up some spots in the game because his the um, the apex of his jump is lower than Sonic's. Because mm-hmm. I noticed that happened a couple of times in with some stuff in like Metropolis Zone, where I would try to jump with Knuckles, and I wouldn't quite make something because he can't jump quite as high. Does that ever like keep you from being able to finish something? No, no, you can you can finish everything. It's just kind of one of those weird little things. Just overlooked yeah yeah because like in the with uh, knuckles in sonic 2 he can still do his climbing he can still do his yeah. floating like he still has all of his other tools it's just uh like he uh brewing is right though his jumping is just a little lower of an arc than sonic's is but um why don't we talk about some donkey kong <gasps> yes now now our uh our, our friend is back i was uh making some number two joke and uh didn't realize you had disappeared but uh, Jay, we're we're back to Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, it's Donkey Kong Country number two. Ooh. Number two. So this is a game that I've probably played maybe a hundred times. It's one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. I've gotten my speed run down to about an hour and a half. Any percent? Uh, yeah, which like hundred percent or any percent, Jay? Any percent? Going for hundred percent in that game is ridiculous. I've done it a couple of times, but <laughs> it's, it's very long. And like this is one of those games that you still find stuff every time you play it like on the first two level on the first two worlds every level has a hidden warp somewhere that just finishes it a, hit, oh, a hidden let's, warp let's um so it follows a lot of immediately after donkey kong one donkey kong the first game and is replaced by dixie's uh, Diddy's girlfriend Dixie Kong, who she can't jump as high, but she can like hover by spinning her ponytail like a helicopter. Yeah, yes, I love hair I love that aspect of it. Um, that's that's one of my I, I like this game better than the first one. Um, and part a lot of it a lot of it has to do with Dixie's like helicopter ability and just like getting the mobility that it adds to it, like allowing her to get to certain areas that um, Diddy can't get. You can, like, uh, have the Kongs throw each other the higher levels and they'll, like, pull each other up. So, like, you could, like, skip, like, some major chunks of level that way. Or, like, there's some secrets that you need to, like, weave them in and out of obstacles and have them pull each other, like, through stuff. Weird. Uh, Some of the animal buddies have been shuffled around. Uh, You still have the rhino and the swordfish and the parakeet from the first game got, like, upgraded to a full thing, but now you have, instead of a frog, you have a snake and they added a spider. The spider can make platforms, so you just, like, cheese the whole levels off of it just by going above the world. Bonus levels now actually mean something because instead of just giving you extra lives and stuff, it gives you, like, these tokens to unlock a secret world. Uh, let's see. What else is there to talk about? 
Um, so there, uh, going back to this, I had a, uh, I misremembered that you can do two-player co-op on the same screen. You can't, um, but there is a, because uh, um, I, I know you could do that in, what, Donkey Kong Country for the Wii? Donkey Kong Country Returns. Yeah. So then I went back to this one, and I was like, oh, yeah, let's play the two-player co-op, and then I was like, oh, wait, this doesn't work. It's so, co-op. It's like, there's, person plays as Diddy, person plays as whoever the other character is. Yeah, you can play back and forth, but you can't play on the same screen. So now there's a, well, not now, but I mean, someone made a, a, a fan hack a while back uh, where you can actually do the co-op, which is pretty cool. It's kind of cool. How does the camera work? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I downloaded it, but I haven't I haven't tried it yet. It's one of those. Uh, that, that reminds me. Another nugget of Donkey Kong Country 2 wisdom that some people might not know. Uh, when you start a new game, when it's asking you whether you want to play in single player or not, if you keep pressing down on that menu, it unlocks a sound test. Oh, it un unlocks the sound test? Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like, go to start a new game, and it's like, oh, do you want to play in single player or not? Just keep pressing down. Okay. Cool. Does anybody else have any uh, any memories of uh, Donkey Kong Country 2? I do. I've never actually played this game in English. I've had a Japanese card of it forever and ever, and I have only ever played through it in Japanese, which makes it harder because <laughs> there's actual menus to navigate, like when you go and do the quiz show and stuff like that. So I remember having to look guides up. Uh, to figure all that stuff out. What's that? The levels any different? Do you not know? I'd, I've never played the American version of Donkey Kong Country 2. I have only played the Japanese Super Nintendo version. I don't think there's any level differences. I've seen videos that talk about the differences in the Japanese and English releases. And other than a few things needing to be changed just because of cultural reasons, there's never really been any like significant level changes or anything like that. Yeah, and I, w I, I wouldn't know anyways. All, all I know is that I know exactly where to go when I need to save the game. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you have to go and talk to somebody to actually save instead of just going to Candy Kong in the first one and just entering the level and jumping in the uh, yep. barrel. Yeah, and this one, it's yeah. a wrinkly Kong. Yeah, you just gotta talk to her. Which... What the hell is that noise? Sounds like an ambulance. <laughs> it's a bee. Is that from the sound test in the game? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the bees. They're coming but, as singers. <laughs> but I'll, I'll argue. I'll argue that this game has the best track from the Donkey Kong games, and that Sticker Brush Symphony. Oh my God! Yeah, no, sorry, I disagree with that one. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to the music with you, huh, Angus? Yes. I, I, I don't think that track is bad, but I think it's severely overrated. I don't think it's the best track from that I don't, game. I don't let alone one it, of David Wise's best pieces. I don't but, care what anybody else thinks. I like it. I, I, I know you don't care. I'm just saying what i think <laughs> you're like yeah, honey uh, badger you don't give a shit <laughs> well what's the name of that song that plays in like the haunted forest levels that one's my favorite uh um that's the oh god i don't remember the exact name of the song but i know it when you're talking about that's a really good one it's like chanted woods or something like that yeah yeah, I think that's the name of the song. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed Donkey Kong Country 2 a lot. I played this one the first time on the Wii Virtual Console release years ago. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I play this one, or, re, or rather I should say I replay it about as much as I've replayed the first one. Um, yeah. And I definitely, definitely like a lot of the uh, game change or gameplay changes as well. It's a lot smoother. And the nice thing is with how the levels work too is that if you know how to play them, uh, you know what to expect, you can speed run through them pretty quickly. So that's pretty fun too. And like I said, see out the bonus levels actually is a little more worthwhile than just extra lives and stuff like that but yeah they, def they definitely are worth going for as well and um i like with this game too that they completely changed the setting because the first one you know for non-con country one you're going all through donkey kong island in order to uh you know uh, reclaim the banana 
Banana Horde and de- defeat the uh, Kremlings. But this time, since Donkey Kong has been captured uh, by King K. Rule and his cronies, you're now going onto their territory and going into you know their part of the world instead. And I thought that was a really cool you know for aesthetic like, thing because you know, you're you're no longer on their t- on the Donkey Kong's turf. You're you're going into enemy territory and they're not going to pull their punches. <laughs> and, yeah, like the levels are a lot more diverse because like you start on a pirate ship and then like before like you're done, you're in a volcano, you're in a carnival, you're in a castle, all these like weird things that you wouldn't see in nature like you would in Donkey Kong 1. Yeah. It's the sound. It's the it's the it's the police. They're coming to look for me because I dared to talk badly about Sticker Brush Symphony. <laughs> it's the Internet Police. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's Bru- coming. Twitter's Bru- coming Bru- after you. Them. Bruins like, how dare you argue with my opinion? You're you going an, down, son. You, you had an opinion that went against the greater, uh, like, good of opinions. So we're taking you down. Yep. I figured that's going to happen sooner or later. Oh, well. No, oh, it's, oh, it's, well, it's, thanks, it's a great game. Thanks for your concern. <laughs> this will be, oh, well. be our, our first swatting on the podcast. I guess. <laughs> I, I guess Jay's totally okay with that, too. So, all right. <laughs> that's not how I meant it. Yeah, yeah. Three weeks yeah, that's and turn on Saturday say. night. You'll see this on Cops. I'm going to be on ABC News, and they're going to be like the nefarious bandit Yangus has been caught. <laughs> we got him, boys. You'll you'll know it's him by the spiky yellow hat. Yes. <laughs> For as we all know, I wear that itself. every day. <laughs> all right. So it looks, sounds like we've come to the end of uh, Donkey Kong Country 2. Uh, I don't think anybody else wrote down like a full second game that they wanted to go on and on about. Um Anybody got some like quick hits they want to uh, give some shout outs to some honorable mentions? Um, I, you know what? There's a there is a kind of racing slash platforming game on the Super Nintendo that I really liked. It's called Hyperzone. I don't think it ever actually came out over here, but hmm. it's another one of those that I've, I've had a cartridge of it for a while. And it plays. So if you want to like get a mental image in your head about it. Think F-Zero, but uh, it's having a, a, a color orgasm on the screen at all times. It is so super colorful and a lot of shit's going on. And you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, ra- <laughs> you're you're basically trying to get from the beginning of the track to the end of the track. And you want to stay on the track. And it's weird because it's got a track on the top and a track on the bottom. And if the tracks ever divert and stuff like that, you want to stay inside of the track and there's stuff on the field that comes flying at you. You can shoot at it. At the end of every level, there's a boss that you fight, uh, stuff like that. Uh, in terms of story, I don't know what the hell is going on with this game. It's just <laughs> it's just a very colorful, satisfying dopamine hit of a game. So Hyperzone, give it a shot. Nice. Um, I guess one that I'll just mention real quick. Um, so this year, when I probably probably said it before on one of the other episodes this year, uh, this year is the 30th anniversary of Kirby, and I've been playing through uh, some of the games that I have not played or replaying a few of them that I haven't to. And one of the games that I started off with after beating Forgotten Land earlier this year was uh, Kirby's Dream Land 3 for the uh, Super Nintendo. Um, that one was actually one of the later release games on the system, too. It came out like 1997. So, you know, it was oh, already... Man. Like the like the N64 was already well on its way, uh uh, system-wise and release-wise. But um, Kirby's Dream Land 3, gameplay-wise, I wasn't really a fan of the game, but musically and aesthetically, I thought the game was amazing. Like, it had this really cool kind of crayon uh, color book style to it, kind of like Yoshi's Island on the Super Nintendo. Uh, it has a really good soundtrack, but what Kirby game doesn't have a good soundtrack? <laughs> you got me there. Uh, 
Yeah. And um, even though there, I wasn't a big fan of some of the gameplay elements of it, I, it just felt a little too slow for well, even slower than some of the other Kirby games. But it, I still thought it had some good enough uh, qualities to it. So it's not one that I personally want to replay anytime soon, but I definitely would recommend, you know, just checking it out, just uh, even just for the music of it, because uh, Hal Labs definitely is one of those companies, too, that they really, you know, took full advantage of what the Super Nintendo sound chip was capable of. So and if you're, you know, you enjoy um, you're like me, you kind of like just seeing all these games from this uh, Dark Matter trilogy that was uh, in the early days of Kirby. Uh, this is one that's worth checking out then because it has a pretty fun final uh, true final boss fight. So there just you go. Like every, just like every Kirby game, you think you finished the game, but then there's the true arena. Well, yeah. Well, then this one's case you have to actually get actual 100 percent to fight the final boss like the actual one. Otherwise, the game's like, lol, you you won, but there's still something out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how they get you. It's the, the, you get the ending for the casual players and the hardcore players like Yang is here. Yep. Got 100%. If we want to talk so, about the hardcore one, we got to talk about Twinkie. He goes even hardcore, more hardcore than I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's also uh, another very good game on the Super Nintendo, and it's not the one you're thinking of. I'm talking about Kirby's Dream Course. It is mini golf. Yeah, that one's, that one's okay. I haven't played too much of that one, honestly, but I remember playing play, it a bit when I was a kid. It is absolutely nuts. I, I It's on Nintendo Switch Online. I very highly recommend everybody plays it with another person. The two-player mode in that game is pure chaos, and it's wonderful. Okay, awesome, yeah, man. I'll definitely have to give that a shot. Yeah. You know, fun fun fact about that one, too. Um, so, player two in that game is called Kibi instead of Kirby. It's a yellow Kirby. They actually, years later, referenced that in uh, Kirby's Dream Buffet on the Switch, because all the different co- uh, Kirby colors have different names. The yellow one is called Kibi Yellow. <laughs> that's pretty it's good like, uh-huh. it's a cut. super deep cut yeah <laughs> nice is it's it probably to be the like... deepest cut Kibi's name is never said in game nope it's just in the manual <laughs> oh, back then we read manuals back yep. then games had manuals <laughs> back then we had manuals yeah yeah now all games all nowadays have tutorials that they force you to sit through instead <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'd like to uh, just give a, a shout to uh, Seiken Densetsu 3, um, which is uh, more recently re-released as Trials of Mana in the okay. West. Um, that's it's the third game in the ser- in the Mana series. Um, it's the sequel to uh, the more popular Secret of Mana uh, for the SNES. Um, so Seiken Densetsu 3 was fan translated at some point in the late 90s, and uh, it was 100% translated. Um, it's really if you, if you look at um what secret of mana was this just expands on it that much more with six possible characters uh three potential um end bosses depending on who you chose uh, or who you chose first um in terms of characters and it's definitely a game that i loved so much that i replayed it three times in a row just to get all of those three different bosses and just to play every as every character Man, don't um, you love it when you find a game like that yeah this this is a, another one of those ones um you know i was just actually looking up uh the donkey kong uh, uh country 2 um co-op uh rom hack and i couldn't find it uh now i'm wondering if i misremembered it but the uh <laughs> but the trials of mana definitely did have a uh like a rom hack to get the co-op mode in um because uh more recently i i uh i found out that they um i think they took that out uh when they were originally developing it um so to get the three player uh option um i think there's a rom hack for that uh they also took that out of uh um the the remake for playstation 4 uh that came out a number of years ago as well they actually that's now like 100 percent one player which is uh which is kind of a bummer because it's such a 
it's such an amazing game and, and is definitely worth uh, playing with other folks. Nice. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. That was a, another DJAP translation project, which Jade went back and double checked. And yeah, they did a Dragon Quest six and Dragon Quest three for the SNES. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Dragon I Quest think 5, said Dragon Quest five. five. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, think uh, they did, I think they did six as well, maybe. Or I'm thinking of No Progress. Think, oh, yeah, it is the no, no Progress. Pro- no Progress did six. They they were the ones okay. that did six. But yeah. Um, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly. Yeah, you get 90, 90% through ants and A minus. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love how they left that in there. They're like, uh, this is the end of the translation in that one town. And then you can keep playing it. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, they actually did that? <laughs> yeah, it was some kind of weird, like, oh fourth wall breaking translation comment where one of the NPCs will tell you it's the end of the translation. But you oh, can boy. keep playing. It's like they left that in there and then did more of it oh, and then geez. forgot to take that out that's about as bad as like when some of those old fan translations used to just throw in uh curse words and stuff to be cool edgy and they're just like this is really lame why'd you guys do that <laughs> is is it really as lame as the official legitimate translations that try to uh shove in pop culture references for the time and it just completely blows immersion out of the water I'm looking at you, Lunar. Signs. Yes. Yep. Hey, I think Dragon Quest Nine did it pretty well. You got Patty and Selma and Metallica. Meta- oh, Metallica. Metallica. <laughs> Jeez. I, you know what? I just realized with that Patty and Selma thing, that's supposed to be a Simpson shout out. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really lame, guys. That's really lame. I'm and I'm a Simpsons fan. And yeah, I, I was, I was about to say. I was about to say. I'm surprised you didn't catch that one earlier. Well, well somebody's like, you not a big I'm Dragon so- Quest Nine fan, so they probably don't want to put a lot of brain power into that uh, okay yeah, that's fair that's yeah fair. The, but i've as i've also said many times before like anytime there's puns and, and stuff like that in dragon quest usually just kind of i see them but i really don't think about them uh, other than a few where it's just like oh my god that's really bad the best the, i to this day i will die on this hill the best dragon quest pun exists in dragon quest 9 xerox xerox xerox, xerox. yeah, yeah. yeah. And nope. master of none. I think yeah. I got so desensitized to it just because of playing other games before uh, the whole Dragon Quest pun puns and jokes like that. Because like I remember as a kid playing like stuff like Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Every area in that game is named after a kind of laugh that people make. And I just I think I just got so desensitized to it because of stuff like that. <laughs> so when so when I got to Dragon Quest with those tra- kind of translations, it was just like, oh, OK, that's just what they're calling it. All right, it whatever. Down straight off. Yeah, no, nope. uh, I, I see them, but it's just like I don't my brain doesn't really think about it or dwell on it. Like, oh, that's mm-hmm. a reference to this or that's a reference to that. <laughs> There's just a few, though, that they break through the wall and they're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Earthbound's got <laughs> a, a bunch of those as well. Like even the towns like one at Tucson and like, you know, yeah. the, the, the first town is based on the word one. The second is based on the word two, yep. et cetera. You know, if you add all the words up together, it spells out one, two, three, four, five, or one, two, three, four adds up to 10. <laughs> or the sum is 10. <laughs> uh. But um, anyway, to go back to uh, Sagan and Setsu 3, because we got way off topic. <laughs> Um, I played that one as well. Um, I played it through the collection of Mana on the Switch, and I really enjoyed my time with the game. I didn't beat it, but again, it's my get halfway through an RPG, kind of just stop for no reason problem. 
but I got yeah. to the point where um, I was supposed to go after like the eight mana beasts that had popped up in the world. But I was really enjoying the game up to that point as well. Like I enjoyed the uh, kind of light action RPG stuff it had to it. Uh, how mm-hmm. you could set your other characters to start casting their spells and things. How there's the different uh, kind of job classes that you can set your characters towards if you want to have them. Uh, I think they call them like light classes or dark classes, yeah. depending on uh, what route you go with. But th- mm-hmm. that was fun. I liked how uh, they didn't change the appearance too much other than giving the characters like a brand new kind of color scheme. I thought that was a cool little touch. Mm. But wow. I, really yeah. enjoy- I really enjoyed my time with it. I need to get back to it at some point. But you, I-, so- I think this was a really good looking game. It has a really cool soundtrack too. So you said you played it on that collection of mana. Is the collection of mana one... Does that include the 3D remake, or was that separate? That's just the original versions of the first three games. Okay, so they tried. Yeah, it came out at almost a year before the remake, I believe. Yeah, and really, yeah. that was kind of a surprise announcement too, because like we like we knew about the game before it got the American release, because you know you know news sites are pretty quick about reporting on that. And when um, Nintendo slash Square Enix revealed at E3 uh, 2019 that collection was coming westward, it was like, whoa, wait, they actually translated the original? That's crazy. Then we found out that, oh, there's a remake coming, too. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so C- Secret of Mana had uh, um, the you could use the multi-tap and do three player. Um, could you do that in the collection of Mana version of Secret of Mana? Like if you just had a third switch controller? Or... Yeah, as long as you have three controllers, it just starts working for you automatically. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that's, that's Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I have the I have the game back uh, back home, but uh, I don't have a third controller yet. So that'd be yeah. probably the ideal way to play it with my kids. Yeah. If if all else too, there might I, I I've never really played Secret of Mana that much. Um, I don't know. Is there an option you had to go into the menu at some point to be like, oh, you have to activate the you know besides having the tap thing plugged in, you gotta like activate it in game. Um, do you do anything like that? I think so. I think you just hit like the start button and, and then okay. you can start playing as that character. On that okay. Controller. I, I have to guess then it's probably just the exact same way, Liam. Um, but yeah, from every every report that I've heard, like it's much easier to get the three player thing going for Secret of Mana because you know you don't have to worry about the the multi-tap thing so yeah, yeah. there you go yeah awesome well hey i can give a big uh since i pumped a game that uh i kind of give it a little thumbs down to let me let me give another thumbs down to um <laughs> i remember it was <laughs> in the middle of june i don't know how i got this th- oh i know i was listening to uh, since we were on our ten thousand mile road trip and i'd blown through every podcast because i was driving like five six hours a day i'd blown through all the podcasts so i started going back deep and I listened to a couple episodes about Super Mario RPG. And I'm like, you know, that's a game I just never really got into. It's always listed as one of the best um, RPGs for the Super Nintendo. I should probably play it sometime. And it just kind of, in the back of my head, I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if there was like Waluigi hack to it? So I go Google. And sure enough, some guy like just this summer came out with Super Waluigi RPG. Just, you know, did a little sprite swap. And I, I totally missed the very first thing that it says on his ROM hacking thing um, about it, because I was like, oh, you know, it's Waluigi and Daisy instead of Mario and Toadstool. Um, Party members are more valuable. They've added healing items to make them better. Blah, blah, blah. Put a little other secrets in it. I was like, okay. So I get home, and a couple weeks ago, when Yangus is talking about this episode, I'm like, ah, I'll load this up. So I load it up, and I can't get to Bowser. Like, the first steps are just, you know, beat, like, four scrubs and get to Bowser. And beat him, and then the game begins, really. I couldn't do that. Seven, eight times, I finally play. I'm like, what the F is wrong with this game? Like, I know I got a block. I can't block. I can't do extra damage. Like, 
I don't have healing items yet. These guys are hitting me for like a fifth of my life. Like what is going on with that? So I finally go back to the ROM hacking and he's updated it like three times in just since like August 22nd. Um, and sure enough, challenge list leveled up tougher timings, more individual enemy personality and look go, like going into his website where he talks all about this and his blogs. First off, the guy who did it um, believes he's an alien. Uh, 100%. He, does, he is not from Earth. Uh, he died and was like reincarnated here or something like that. I, I didn't get all the details. Uh, I kind of glossed over those posts. They were in between the what the hell is he doing in this game? But he wanted to make a more adult challenging game for this. And like, I think it's like a half or a quarter of the window, like the number of frames that you would have to tap the blocking and everything. He like had it or quartered it. It's ridiculous. That's so I go on there. Bad. Yep. And I literally made my ROM hacking.net debut by reviewing this game, um, the version A. And I was like, no, this is way too hard. Um, two days later, somebody else reviews his update of it and like, no, 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 the, the update is way too hard. And like September 6th, another person's on there. Like, no, 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 this is harsh. It, he Actually, he put it, it was harsh, but good. And then updated his review like two days later and gave it a thumbs down with that. He's like, no, I've, I've played longer. This is horrible. <laughs> So the guy's like, I am, he's like on his blog, he, he's like, I am not here to make this game easier. I'm not going to make different stuff. So I was like, oh, oh, well. But through this, I was like, I kind of do want to play this game now. There is a Super Luigi RPG version. And in the like two days, three days that I've been reviewing a couple things on ROM hacking, uh, that got its newest update. So I will have to give a Super Luigi RPG a chance. There you go. Yeah, that's ridiculous if he made like the timings for the blocks and the hits, you know, that much more difficult. That's not making it more challenging. That's just making it unfair. Yeah, I'm like, golly, man, this was balanced by professionals. You you just got to be an alien. Yeah, yeah. You got to have those like 12 fingers to have the right timing for it. I do not have the uh, extra sensory, extra fingers, extra human abilities you gotta have two brains in order to think ahead like that you know uh but uh any other shout outs here for the uh 16-bit era can't think of anything else off the top of my head all righty all right well then uh we'll, we'll start our outro here and say that's it for this episode of slime time side quest we want to thank Bree and jay for coming back and liam welcome thank to you. a bigger pot of stew <laughs> this is fun thank you so much yeah, thanks for joining us to talk more about our favorite 16-bit games. Oh, yes. Uh, I know we've had a couple of uh, SNES episodes and our Genesis one, but uh, personally speaking, I'm always excited to get back and talking about an era of games that I really love since this was... I got my start with gaming with Super Nintendo way back when I was like three years old. So even though I grew up with a Nintendo 64, I've always had a soft spot for this particular era of gaming. So I'm always up for talking about it. So thank you guys for joining us and to share some more uh, games that we love from this era. So you know what I love that we're about to get back to right now? Something I love to hate. I'm always excited when we get to this part of the podcast. It's Patreon. It's always fucking Patreon. 
Ah, fine, fine. I guess I already mentioned my disdain at the top of this episode. So I'll just go on and say, you know, if you've got any 16-bit gold coins completely burning a hole in your wallet pouch, bottomless bag, treasure chest, pot barrel safe, or even searchable wall sack, and you'd like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, go stop by the Dragon's Den at www.wudus.com slash den and click on support the site. Wudus has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site for decades. He personally edits all of the YouTube versions of our podcast, all of the DQ Sue podcasts, and he fully appreciates any donations to help the servers keep running there. Uh, the Dragon's Den website also features an Amazon affiliate link. If you click the link and then make a purchase, a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den. It doesn't cost you anything, and it'll help Wudus keep the site running for another 20 years. Yeah, if you want to give a little bit and get a little bit, you can even go on there and buy a Slime Time t-shirt with the logo that our resident graphic artist Dwayne Bullock made. It's for sale there on the den. Mm -hmm. uh, as part of the Dragon Quest Slime Time Extended Universe, or DQ Stew, you can direct comments or questions for the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at DQ Slime Time, or consider joining in for tons of Dragon Quest discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, uh, one of the few remaining forums sites still around. Uh, find it from the Dragon's Den main page or at www.woodus.com backslash forums. Woodus is spelled uh, W-O-O-D-U-S, by the way. Uh, you can also find us and other Rabid DQ fans through Barurian's official, unofficial uh, Dragon's Den Discord server. That's right. For more Dragon Quest slime time, side quests, or tactfully die, check out our library of episodes on the Dragon's Den, on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Audible, YouTube, and more. Or just, you know, wherever the hell you're listening to this episode. Please like, subscribe, and write a review for the podcast whenever you listen. Uh, if you have any suggestions for future side quest episodes or uh, any content you'd like to talk about, we'll be happy to hear from you. You can reach out to Platy via his Twitter, PlattyM3, or via Discord, or via the Dragon's Den via personal messages. Uh, you can also contact me, Yangus the Legendary Bandit, on the Dragon's Den via personal message or on the Dragon's Den Discord. Uh, we have a list full of ideas, and we'd be happy to add some more or, you know, revisit any topics like we did with uh, this particular episode. Bye, everybody. Side quest complete. Bye.